Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I am your host, and today we have a special type of episode, something we've had before in the past, uh, but we do not have a guest. Uh, But instead, today we have a pre-recorded message that I had about a month ago. Actually, now it's uh, almost two months ago. And uh, the topic of discussion is um, based out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And for those of you that saw either the title of this episode or the Instagram promo little video thing, um, it's titled um, The Christian Walk. And what that uh, what this what this particular passage highlights is how a Christian should walk, uh, what they need to pay attention to, what are things that we need to keep away and keep out of our lives, and then at the at the end of the day, also how we address one another um, as believers in the body of Christ. So uh, that's what the passage talks about. Um, I know it's been a little while. I recorded this was actually recorded and done. I believe it was December tenth of twenty twenty one. So. Um, a lot has happened since then, and uh, I just kind of shelved it over there, archived it, uh, waited for an opportune time to use it, uh, just because um, the Lord really spoke to me through this message, and hopefully He will do the same for you as well. So, um, just a couple of things, uh, announcements before uh, I let you guys go ahead and uh, and tune in. Uh, first, um, we have, so starting next week, for the next couple of weeks... Uh, I'm going to have a series planned, uh, a new series. It's going to be just solo episodes. Um, God willing, everything's going to be put together. I have the script and the notes already there. The outline is there. I just got to record it. So uh, with God's strength and uh, with it, you know, if, if it is God willing, if it's his will, uh, we'll have that starting next week. So uh, more to come with that. Uh, also, uh, standard announcements, um, our Instagram is at the Potter's House, and there you could reach uh, me personally, either through direct message or you can click the email uh, option on the profile, and that's where you can find any and all updates uh, at the quickest uh, way possible. So that's that. Also, uh, as I announced last week, we do have uh, two streaming uh, or two notable streaming options. Obviously, there are a couple of bit, a couple of more, but um, we've had for, for the longest time, Apple podcasts. So if you guys have that purple icon on your iPhone, uh, you would tap that, you would subscribe to the show and then you would tap the stars and leave a written review. And I've been saying that, um, over the course of the last pretty much year and a half that I've been doing this. And then, uh, also we have Spotify as well, but you can, um, I think it was as of December, as of like two months ago, uh, they installed this option where you can leave uh, a starred review. So you can go to Spotify, to the Potter's House, and tap the stars. And for those of you who have done one or the other, um, please go to the other one that you haven't done and do both if possible, if you have the time, uh, just because it really helps with the exposure of the show, and uh, that's that's how the algorithm works. So for those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it for the announcements. Um, stay tuned for this message and I hope that, that God really, uh, speaks to you. I hope the Holy Spirit really moves and works in your heart and that, uh, through this message, your relationship with Christ will grow ever stronger. So here it is.
So Ephesians, we're going to read from Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. And starting from verse 15, it says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Oh, that's next week. Sorry, guys. Got a little excited. Um, Amen. Amen. Uh, You guys may be seated. Looking forward to that. Let's see what Paul or Jimmy, they're going to bring some fire next week. So before we get started, I want you guys to imagine something. Think of something in your life that you thought you've always done correctly, but ultimately at one point in your life you found out you were doing it wrong the entire time, right? And we kind of get by by doing something one way, and then when we realize how much easier it could have been or how much better and more beneficial it could have been, we were, were surprised in a way. And we're like, wow, I wish I would have known this all this time. Um, I was actually looking up different things, and believe it or not, I read this article, and I actually read a few articles where they said that we've been eating watermelon wrong the entire time. They said you're not supposed to cut the watermelon before you eat it, which I have no idea how else you would eat it. Maybe smash it on the ground. I don't know. They said, I didn't read it thoroughly, but they, they said you're not supposed to do that. So I was surprised. But for me personally, um, I used to have a long relationship and affair with, with snowboarding. And uh, when I was younger, I used to go up a lot on the slopes, uh, but I never really learned how to snowboard correctly. I, I would only know how to carve one way. I can't carve the other way because I'm afraid of falling. So most of the time, and I was, I was not that bad, actually. I, was, I would go down without falling. I went on a black diamond once, not double black diamond, but I went on black diamond once. But I would go horizontally a lot of the times, and by the time I go one run, two runs, my quads are on fire, and it's like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And obviously, I knew there was a correct way to learn it, but considering I knew how many falls that would cost me, I, I just decided to break up with snowboarding forever. Uh, maybe not forever, but for now, just because that wasn't very enjoyable for me. I was doing it the wrong way. Now, in our, in our Christian walk, in the way that we were raised, and, and, and this is influenced a lot by the community we're raised in, the family, the church, but a lot of times we think we've been doing the right thing, where in reality we haven't been. And the beauty of the book of Ephesians is that it's split into two, diff- two distinct parts. The first three chapters are doctrine and teaching and identity, and the last three chapters, which we're currently in right now in chapter five, are activity, action, and basically telling us what to do and how to do it. So when we're looking at the book of Ephesians, there's so many rich content that so much rich content that we can see that the Lord provides to us, that Apostle Paul provides to us as he wrote this in prison. But if I'm going to look personally on my life and feel free to relate to this, because I'm sure we all had this, but up until very recent, I've been I've had this false 
idea of what it meant to be a Christian. I thought, and obviously your parents are always encouraging, go to church, serve in church. I thought that was all I needed. That's like, okay, I've been going to church for 25 years. I'm almost 25. So for 25 years, I've been going to church and I'm good. That's fine. I, you know, I, I look back, and if you, if you do 25 times 52, that's 1,300, right? So I've been alive for 1,300 weeks, and I don't think I went more than four weeks without attending a church service. The only time we missed was when we went to Romania for three weeks, but as Cornell could testify, we had, I think, 11 services in a three-week period, so I think that's a double time right there. But I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to you know, it's, not, it's not like a boastful kind of thing, but we think that that's just enough, where it's not. And as, if we look in the scripture and we see what does a Christian life actually entail, there are a couple of things that I realized that I wasn't doing, maybe some of us weren't doing this entire time. A couple of things, I'm going to list them out of here. I wasn't serving others outside the church. Maybe in church, yeah, you sing, but it's, it's not really the same. I wasn't slow to anger, right? There are times where I would get heated sometimes and say things, uh, that I didn't want to say. I wasn't mindful of the things that I would say to my siblings, to my parents, to my classmates growing up. I was never uh, maintaining my testimony. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that you have a kind of an idea, a script of what your testimony before the Lord is. So if you encounter someone randomly on the streets and you want to preach the gospel to them, you can identify personally, say, hey, this is what God worked in my life. Now, don't get the wrong idea. Just because you don't have this script, it doesn't mean you don't have problems that God has fixed in your life. We all have problems that God has fixed. But we need to thoughtfully write that out. Think of that. Like, okay, let's say, and this is not my case, but let's say you were a former drug addict. You can, you can use that approach. Like, God's delivered me from this. God delivered me from that. Maintaining a testimony because we have to be ready at all times. Edifying one another. Yeah, maybe in church, it's like, good song, good this, good that, but do, do we have this personality, this, this, this spirit of edification when we, when we talk to, to people? I mean, I personally know someone um, who, I was talking to this guy, and like every word he says I feel is laced with the Holy Spirit of, of encouragement, and it's amazing. And I even told him that, like, man, like, you're a really encouraging person. You have the spiritual gift of exhortation. That's, God bless you. That's awesome. Keep talking, you know. Um, crucifying ourselves daily, to our fleshly desires, another thing we lack a lot, uh, confession to God. A lot of times I would live out my life and I'd pray at the end of the night, God, thank you for saving me, amen. But there would be unconfessed sins and unrepent therefore unrepented sins in my life that would be holding me down because I didn't have this practice of confession. And then also you can confess to someone you trust, you confide in, a pastor, a leader, whatever, uh, that as well. And then forgiveness too. We, we held a lot of grudges, and we, we, didn't, we weren't quick to forgiveness as God was quick to forgive us. So these, these are just some things that we saw, uh, or at least I saw in my life, and maybe we see in our lives. And what got me thinking is like, man, if, if we've been in church all this time, imagine how difficult it was for someone who has been in and out of the church for a long time. Like, yeah, they may not be doing any of these things, but it's like times 10 at that point. So that's why I think it's really important, and we're going to see that in this passage right now. It basically talks about the Christian walk, what the walk of a Christian is supposed to be like. Because if we don't talk about it, if we don't actually read and, and 
exegete the, the, the doctrine over here, we're never going to understand how we're supposed to live. And uh, I titled the message, as you guys saw on Instagram, um, I try to get it to rhyme, but how a Christian walks, blocks, and talks. Now, don't judge me on the blocks. I had to find a word that rhymes, and it's the only one that was somewhat applicable. But I'll explain how when we get there. So kind of kick things off over here. Um, we're going to start with the first couple of verses, but the first thing that we need to consider in our walk, in our Christian walk, is how we compose ourselves. Compose, right? In our walk. Now, verse 15 says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, let's start with that first part. Look carefully, look carefully, then how you walk. Now, that is the ESV. The King James, New King James uses this word. It's called circumspect. Now, if we go back to etymology, what does circumspect mean? Let's break it up. What, what does circum mean? What is the root? Uh, ra- ra- uh, circle, right? Circle. And spect is what? To look, right? So you're basically looking around. Essentially, that's what it is. So it's saying, look around carefully as you walk. That means every single step you take has to be accounted for. I don't know how, how many of you, have you guys ever played The Floor is Lava when you were kids, right? Yeah, to Kevin, definitely play that. It's basically when you're jumping on the couch, on the table, on the ceiling, whatever, just to avoid touching the floor because then you lose, right? You're playing with your siblings. That's essentially what it is. We're keeping track of every single step we take. And, and this, is, this is addressed to the church, to the Christians, right? We can't be looking up, right? We've got to be looking around, making sure that everything is accounted for. And it says, obviously not unwisely, but wisely. We are to walk wisely. Now, this next part says best use of the time. Now, I want to look at certain passages because we see a lot in Scripture where wisdom is attributed to basically time management, using your time well. Uh, Colossians 4, 5 says, walk into wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Best use of the time. Now, I want to, in this message, I want to incorporate another passage of Scripture. It is the story of David and Bathsheba. And we're going to see how in David's lack of circumspecting and and watching where he was stepping and and planning and composing himself, we're going to see how he fell so that we can avoid it in the future. If you guys want to turn to, um, you don't have to, but I'll I'll read from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, starting from verse 1. And I'm just going to briefly mention uh, a few passages uh, over there. But this is the story of... David and Bathsheba, and let's see what it says. So verse, uh, verse 1 says, In the spring of that year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Now it's important to, to know that in these times, I'm sure as many of you guys have studied and learned and heard in other messages it was very customary for the king to join his troops into battle, especially the king of Israel, the God's chosen king. Right? It was very customary for them to go and join uh, the troops in battle. Now, David did not do that. David remained at Jerusalem, and that was his first mistake. 
And as you guys know, as we're going to read in a little bit, that it was because he stayed at home, all of this happened. And if he had not stayed at home, all of this would have been avoided. So it's important to recognize that. Now, best use of time because, what, the days are evil. We're not, only, we're not only to walk wisely, but we're supposed to walk with urgency. What does it mean that the days are evil? Well, if the days were evil back then, now when Paul writes this, there was Roman persecution, there was Roman oppression. And, and, this, and, and sin in society was advancing, right? If the days were, were evil then, imagine how evil they are now. Because the sin is, is, is further and deeper within the darkness, as we, as we learned last week. It's, it's, it's hiding more. There's secret sin now. Before, a person was caught with adultery very quickly. Now, people are, are hiding in their rooms and committing sin. And as we see within our legislature, our lawmakers, our education system, sin is celebrated now. Sin is celebrated. So now... More than ever should we walk with urgency, walk urgently, right? Walk the Christian walk, because why? The days are evil. And if the days were evil then, when Paul was literally in prison writing this, imagine how much more evil they are now, and imagine how much more careful we have to be right now. The days are evil. Psalm 90, uh, 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of Wisdom. The days are not only evil, but they are limited. We have a limited and short amount of time that we have on this earth. And again, the Bible says here in this psalm that we are wise if we are to number our days so that we can be effective for the kingdom. This last part over here of this first part says, therefore. Now, if you guys have ever read a book or something, you know that a book never starts with the word therefore, Right? I've heard this uh, pastor once say, whenever you see the word therefore, you've got to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? Right? It, it's, it's basically, the, it takes the culmination of everything that was prior and makes a thesis statement. Like, this is the main point, guys. And um, it's not only what we read, but even from, from last week in Cornell's message about walking and living in the light and not staying in the darkness. So everything that we heard these last two weeks comes up with this point right here, Therefore, and I'll read it right now, it says, uh, Therefore, do not be foolish, which is, again is unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We are not only to walk wisely, we are not only to walk with urgency, but we are to walk in the will of God. And basically, the way that we walk, the way that we present ourselves and live everywhere we are should be evident to everyone we come across. I don't know if you guys have ever, I know there was this joke going around with vegans, right? You never have to ask someone if they're vegan because they'll tell you. That should be the same thing for Christians. I don't want someone to come, at, to come up to me and say, hey, are you like a religious person? Or are you like, do you go to church and stuff? No. I want them to ask me like, hey, man, why are you so different? Like, why didn't you laugh at that? Why, why are you like not coming out with us after work to go get drinks? You know, why aren't you doing, why aren't you doing all these things that we think is okay and they see that difference. And that's the way that we should walk. Walk in the will of God. Now, what is the will of God? There's a lot of different things we see in Scripture, but we can summarize it in three different things really quick over here. One, to advance his kingdom. So anything we can do to advance his kingdom, anything we can do to glorify him, 
and everything that we can do individually to be like Christ. 1 Timothy 4.12, right? Do not let them despise you for your youth, but set examples in what? Speech, conduct, love, purity, faith. That's how we're to be like Christ. And we actually just finished a series, uh, the Sunday night services, on how to conform and be transformed into the image of Christ. If you guys remember that. So we are to compose ourselves in our walk. We have to be careful where we step or else we'll make a mistake like King David did where he was not in the right place at the right time. And if we take control of every single step, if we take uh, every thought captive as we read it in a previous chapter, then we will avoid these, these mistakes that will get in our way. So first, we have to compose ourselves. Secondly tonight, and I'll try to be a little more quick, we have to control ourselves. Now, this is what we block. Now, we're getting to the block part. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So, tonight I'm not going to so much focus on the specific part of being drunk on wine, but what I want to do is I want to focus on the word of debauchery, right? Because if we disprove everything that is under the category of debauchery, then it basically knocks out everything, right? Everything that that uh, falls into that category. So debauchery is defined as excessive indulgence in sensual pleasure. That's the definition, according to Webster or whatever first popped up on Google, of the word debauchery, something that we are to avoid. Now let's continue in uh, 2 Samuel. We see that once David remained home, right, he remained in Jerusalem, uh, it happened, and this is verse 2, it happened one late afternoon when David arose from his couch, yeah, it actually says couch, and was walking on the roof of the king's house. He sees Bathsheba, saw that she was beautiful. I'm going to paraphrase here just so we can get here quicker. And not only did he see her, but look what he did. Not only was he at the wrong place at the wrong time, but he continued to make two more mistakes. First, he inquired about her. He asked about her. He could have saw her, maybe admired her, and then just like, you know, gone away. You know, a good Christian, you know what he would have done? He would have saw that, like, all right, go home, pack my bags, let's go kill the Ammonites. Right. But that's not what he did. He said he inquired about her. He said, who's that? And then what did he do? Invited her over, right? And then the sin was committed. So David had a lack of control. Now, People, it's funny because when they're talking about, it's interesting with this whole wine thing and, and certain things that may lead us to sin, but like, oh, but technically you can't say that alcohol consumption is a sin. I, I, okay, whatever. In a technicality, that's fine. And they don't want to condemn like small introductions, small doses, right? But I want to ask you right now, once you introduce that, who has control of how far that's going to get? Exactly. Our flesh? Sorry, last I checked, our flesh is weak. How am I supposed to control? Like, if, if I start with introduction, it's very easy for me to get to indulgence, right? The only way you can prevent truly indulgence is if you abstain from it completely. And you know what's interesting? David continued to mess up. Now, when we read this passage, we, we, the only parts that we actually remember, that maybe the Sunday school kids will remember, were like, you know, if, if they can understand what's going on. Uh, David committed adultery, and then 
he got her husband killed in battle, right? They, they strategically placed him in the front, pulled back so he can die. He made him vulnerable. But what people forget is the middle passage, what happened in between, where David actively tries to cover up his sin. After he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant with his child, what he does is he calls her husband back from war, Uriah, and what does he do? He tells him to go wash up and go home and basically have relations so why? So he can cover up his sin. Back then, there wasn't the technology we have now where we know like to the day, uh, but, but basically he wanted to cover it up so he wouldn't get in trouble, so he wouldn't be in trouble before God, which is kind of ironic because how would God not know that? But not only that, what did Uriah do? He didn't go back. He said, you know what? He slept at the king's door with the other servants. And he told David, I mean, all of Jerusalem, Israel, the servants, they're over there. They're fighting. I can't just go home to be with my wife. It's like, what would that do to me, right? Uriah had a pass from the king to go and to indulge. But what did he do? He abstained. He's like, you know what? That's wrong. I'm not going to do that. We're at war, we're focusing on this. And David, again, what he does, and this is ironic too with, with what we're talking about in Ephesians, what does he do? He tries to get him drunk to make a bad decision, right? To kind of lose the conscience that he had and decision that he made so that he may again go to his wife. And what did Uriah do? He just kind of passed out on the couch, you know, just knocked out. So David did not get what he wished for. So evidently, he killed him out. He got him killed afterwards in war. But See how sin leads to more sin? See how a small introduction, that, that first glance on the rooftop, led to adultery, led to lying, led to forcing someone to get drunk, led to eventual murder? And it just builds up. And David, a man after God's own heart, as the Bible says, a man who is so in tune with the heart of God, went from small little thing in our eyes to murder. And we, he, he faced the consequences for that. Now, what do we need, right? What do we need to block? These introductions, these, these small little things that we see as insignificant because we in our flesh do not have the power to stop that to become an indulgence. But you know what does have the power? The Holy Spirit. And what does it say? Therefore, do not be uh, foolish. I think we read that earlier, but uh, it says, do not get drunk on wine for that is debauchery, but, now because it has this comparison, we know that they're kind of opposites, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't do this, do that. When we are filled, J. Vernon McGee once said this, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not in the sense where we kind of lose control when we speak in tongues, not, not that. But every thought is captive, our, 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 our walking, our steps, we're looking at them, and we are under control of the Holy Spirit within the will of God. So we're filled with the Spirit, we are controlled with the Spirit. If we're filled with fleshly desires, guess what we're controlled by? Those exact things. Those exact things. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the, uh, the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, guys. And it's not just, oh, I got, you know, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit when I was 19. Well, guess, uh, guess what? 
Three days ago, I, I filled up my, my, my gas tank, and I, I got to fill it up again. Isn't it funny that, especially now that we live in California with all this inflation and, and whatever, and Biden e- economics, we remember exactly to the, to the minute when the last time we filled up on gas, but we don't remember the last time we, f- we were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we've experienced highs and lows, right? And it's been within a day. One day we're great, one day we're not. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a constant refilling. It's a constant renewal that we need to seek every single day. Last time I checked, I don't take two steps a day and then I stand for a day and then I take another two steps. No, we're walking daily. And that's what the Christian walk is. So we're to compose ourselves. We're to control ourselves. And lastly, we as Christians, as the body of Christ, are to collaborate with one another. And this we can do in how we talk. Verse 19 of Ephesians 5 says, Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now notice how this all came after being filled with the Spirit. So if you're asking yourselves, how come I'm not speaking in psalms and I'm not addressing one another, my, my brothers and sisters with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, well, let me ask you this, are we being filled with the Holy Spirit daily? Because if we're not, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's very difficult to naturally do that. Or I should say supernaturally do that. Now I want to ask ourselves, how do we address one another? This is something I kind of mentioned earlier, kind of like our, our interactions with one another, something that we kind of shove away when we're, we're thinking about the Christian walk as we think like, oh, I, I, I show up, I, I pay my dues, I do what I need to do, and then I'm done, right? But I want to ask you, how do we address one another? How do we talk to one another? Is it is it with the spirit of cynicism? Is it a spirit of judgment, spirit of doubt? Or do we address one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs? And I'll admit firsthand that I've struggled a lot with this in the past on how to, to deal with other people and how to talk to people and how to not get frustrated. And I'm glad that, that the Lord forgave me for that as I've repented for that. But I want to ask you, is that, is that something that you do? Judge one another, attack one another when, when someone steps on our toes? Is that, is, that what being, is that a result of being filled with the Spirit? Is that a fruit of the Spirit? I don't think so. Do we project our problems on other people? Now I understand we all have our own lives, right? And we spend a fraction of our lives in the presence of other believers, you know, statistically, if we count 24 hours a day. And we all have our own issues that we have to deal with personally. But I want to ask you, are we taking those personal issues, holding it up on the inside, letting it build on the inside, those frustrations, and are we then projecting that on our brothers and sisters in Christ here in the house of the Lord? Guys, we we can never do that. There is a biblical way that we can help one another. We can confide in one another. We can pray for one another. We can confess to one another. The Bible says that. But we can't take outside problems and project them on another person because I'm going to tell you this. We don't know, I mean, I don't know what you're going through. You probably don't know what I'm going through for the most part, maybe 80% of it. There could be someone in the church who's hanging by a thread, someone who has 
so many issues that they don't want to think about it, and, that, and, and this church is a sanctuary, a safe haven, and a refuge for them. And if they experience that wrath, I mean, the Bible says, what, what does Galatians 6 2 say? It says, bury each other's burdens, not bury each other's wrath. We need to be careful on how we address one another. Not only in doing the great things and encouraging with these psalms, these hymns, you know, we have to be careful of what we say because something that is said, I'm going to tell you this right now, interpretation or your intention of something doesn't matter once it's said. If you write something in writing or you say something, you can, you can defend yourself like, oh, that's not why, what I intended. But you know what? As soon as that happens, there's this transference that happens. It goes from intention to perception. Because once you say it, it doesn't matter what you intended. It's, it matters how that person perceived it because that's out of your control at that point. So we have to be, be careful. We have to watch where we step. We have to watch what we say because it could be detrimental to us. Now, sometimes we do have to be a little harsh with one another. And we see this in, where do we see this? In, in, again, uh, actually in the next chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 12, after David messed up, we see the prophet Nathan just goes off on him, right? He gives him a little parable, a nice little story. David gets mad. He's like, who is this man who took this man's sheep? And then, like, Nathan just goes off on him and just, like, lists all the curses, like, you know, the, the child born out of sin will die, your enemies will rise up against you, all these different things. And David needed to hear that. He was a man of God. He was the, the Bible regards him as the greatest king Israel ever had. And I'm sorry, if, if, if he had not been convicted through Nathan, would that still be true? No, right? He needed to go through that. And that's imperative. That's important that we do that to one another. But we have to do it in a loving way. And we have to speak the truth. Submitting reverence, submitting out of reverence for Christ. We're submitting to one another. We're being, and I'm telling you, the way that we do this is we're filled with the Spirit. By submitting to one another, we're submitting to Christ. And I'm telling you right now, if you cannot submit to a person you're supposed to submit to here, how, how are we supposed to submit to God, to, to Christ, to the will of God? And we're going to talk a little bit more about submission in, in the next, uh, in the next um, message next week, but we have to keep that in mind. Now, all these things, right, we, we talked about a lot of things tonight. We talked about composing ourselves, controlling ourselves, collaborating with the body of Christ. And I'll admit firsthand that I have failed so many times in all three of these categories, multiple times. And I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm sure we all have. I've lacked composure. I didn't set myself up for success. I set myself up for failure. I lost control sometimes. And collaborate wasn't even in my vocabulary for, for much of my life. And maybe we, as a church, as a youth, have had this competitive, judgmental spirit in us, this toxic spirit in us that has been causing disparity and divisions amongst us. But I want to, and I pray, and I want to encourage you all tonight that we may all cry out to God that we may be filled with the Spirit so those, those relationships can be mended because we're all on the same team, we're all on the same size, side, and we all have the same goal, right? What is the will of God? Like we said earlier, further his kingdom, advance his kingdom, glorify him, and to be more like Christ. And that's what we should all strive to do together because it's easier together. Yeah, the, when the Bible says man was not made to be alone, it's, there's a reference to marriage, right? But there's also the body too. How effective is, a, is an arm sitting over there, right? It's not. The body has to be put together, held together by the Spirit of God. And how are we in our personal lives, in our actual 
lives. Because we, we talked about a bunch of stuff when it, came, when it came to like how a Christian should walk. How is your prayer life? Is it effective? Are we just saying prayers like, God, thank you for today, forgive my sins? Or are we actually articulating the specific sins that we need deliverance from? Because that's extremely important. How is our worship, right? If we're sitting here, I mean, praise God for the worship team. The worship team did a fantastic job and God really worked through them. But if we're standing here sometimes and we're wondering like, man, like, why don't I feel anything? Why, why is there nothing going on? And then we're looking around and it's like, how is that person worshiping and I'm not? I want to ask you right now, do we under, if, if that's the case for us, if we don't know why we have to worship, let me ask you, do you understand what the, what the true gospel is? Do you actually understand what the true and right gospel is? Because we might have to reiterate that if that's the case. I want to conclude with a story. There was a man a long time ago, uh, Dr. Howard Kelly, who was a doctor back in the day. He worked at Johns Hopkins Hospital. And um, one day he was walking uh, in this rural path. It was actually uh, just outside of, the, of Baltimore. And he was walking. It was sunny. He got thirsty. And um, he saw a farmhouse, and he stopped by the farmhouse to get some water, right? He wanted to see if there was some water because he was thirsty on his walk. And this little, go- little girl opened the door, and after he had asked, she said, like, oh, my parents are in town, but, um, and we don't have any water, but I can get you a, a glass of cold milk. And he's like, okay, I- I'd love that, you know? So she goes, gets him a glass of milk. He drinks it. It's delicious. It's awesome. It's refreshing. She asked him if he wanted another one, and he said, yeah, sure. So she goes, gets him another one. He drinks it. It's delicious. They talk for a little bit, and then he thanks her for being so kind, and then he goes on his way. Now, a short time after that, this little girl becomes sick, and they, the parents take her to the hospital. She's transferred to Johns Hopkins Hospital, where he's a surgeon at, and just by chance, she basically, she's assigned to him, and he, re- he recognizes this little girl and basically takes care of her, uh, performs the necessary operation, and just takes a lot of care of her, right? Special attention to her because of her, what the kindness that she showed. So she recovers, she's recovering, and her parents are in the waiting room. They're grateful for the fact that their daughter is recovering and, and, and going to do well. But they're nervous and they're anxious because of the medical bill. Because they're, they're farmers, live on a farm, and they can't afford to pay for an operation that, that big, right? That complicated. So they're they're stressed out, they're worried, they're, they're, they're terrified. And when they, I guess back in those days, you would get the bill right away. But when they received the envelope in the waiting room as their daughter was recovering, they opened up the envelope to see the bill. And what it says right on that bill, written plainly and clearly, it says, paid in full with two glasses of milk. I want us all to stand. Now, this illustration wasn't, illustri- it wasn't an illustration of salvation because obviously there's, there's no work that merits our, our own salvation. It's, it's a free gift from God. But this shows basically the kindness of two different people. And this man, this Dr. Howard Kelly, he was a, he was a, good, he was a good Christian man. But it shows the kindness that we're supposed to show to one another. And I want to tell you right now that 
Every single one of us have an envelope in our hands. And you know what the bill says on our envelope? It says, paid in full with the blood of Jesus Christ. Paid in full with the blood of Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'm so worried, and, I, and I, I just, I sense in my spirit tonight that it may be some of us maybe here who are not here who are still holding that envelope and have not opened it yet. That they don't know that, that the Lord Jesus Christ died for them, that he resurrected so that they may have a chance at eternal life. And I pray that tonight we keep that in mind. And I want to close with this. Uh, for those of you who were here last night, I, I, I read from this psalm, but we're talking about David tonight and his sin with Bathsheba and his, his lying and the, when he murdered Uriah and then with, with the prophet Nathan, but the psalm that David wrote regarding this episode in his life is Psalm 51. And I want to reference three different verses from Psalm 51 that, that articulates exactly how we should go before the Lord in our confession and our, in, our, in, in our seeking for repentance. And this is what the psalm says. And you guys know this song in Romanian, but it's a song in English originally. It's literally word for word. And it says from verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. This is how our, 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 our prayer should start. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11. Cast me not from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And the last verse, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You guys know the song is Zideshte en mine, o inima, right? That's the song. And this is the cry, this is the groan that David had on his heart when he went through this. One, God, just give me a new heart. You promise in your word that you're the one who gives new hearts. And restore a right spirit with me so we can have that connection, oh God. Two, Lord, don't... Don't turn away from me. Don't forsake me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, take not your anointing from me. David in 1 Samuel 16 was anointed king of Israel. And it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon him. He said, God, all the successes I've had in my life were because of you and your anointing. There's nothing that I've done. I didn't slay bears. I didn't slay lions. I didn't slay Goliath. I didn't defeat all these armies. It was the power of God that worked through me and through Israel that did all these things. And last but not least, and I think this is the most important thing, and I want, I want you guys to, to seek this out if you don't have it tonight. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me or sustain me with the willing spirit. Guys, if we don't have joy, what are we living for? If we don't have joy, I'm telling you right this, everyone is joyous in this season, right? You're going to see the Christmas lights, you're going to concerts, the plays, we're singing nice songs, that's great. But what happens in January, February, March when, when life continues and people start going through life again? Are, is that joy sustained? Entertainment is not sustained. Ravenhill once said, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Joy is only given by Christ, by God, through Christ. And I want that to be at the forefront of our prayers tonight. So tonight we're all going to pray together. We're going to conclude. And if you're going through this certain season and this episode of your life, or if you know someone, bring them before the, before the Lord in prayer. Say, God, either create in me a clean heart or create in him a clean heart or her. 
Cast us not away from your presence, from your face, O Lord, and restore tonight the joy of your salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Praise God for his mercy and his grace. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope, as I said earlier, that uh, this message really spoke to you, um, that we understand what it truly means to be a believer, and that um, there's more than meets the eye when it comes to certain things. And uh, we always have to be on guard. We always have to be careful of what we do, of what we allow in our life, and how we treat one another. It's really important to do so. Um, Not only for the outside world to see us as, as lights, essentially, but even for ourselves, that we may continue to walk in the ways of the Lord that he has instructed us. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I, w- I don't want to keep you guys too long, but as I said before, new series starting uh, next week. More to come with that. Um, we have the Instagram account, which is um, at the Potter's House. And then, as I said earlier, Apple Podcast, Spotify, both of them now, both of them have uh, app options to leave the five-star review. So if you have done one or the other, uh, go to the one that you haven't done. I thank you in advance. It really helps with the exposure of the show, and I appreciate those guys, uh, those of you out there who have already done it. So uh, thank you guys so much. God bless, and we will see you next time. Next time.